Wow, powerful, wasn't it? I said in the first service, that sweet little Talene, I can't believe. (laughs) Stand with me if you would. Let's read the word of God. If I can get Michelle up there for me. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. That's where I want to stop right now, and I want us to pray this morning. Father, I just thank you for the word of God. Lord, I thank you that it is sharp and it is powerful. And God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is in this place. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is in me, Lord. And I pray for your anointing and your blessing upon your word this morning. Lord, I know that you have a work to do. God, I know it was an awesome service in the early service, but God, this is another time and this is another place and there are other uh, lives that need to be ministered to today. And God, I pray for your anointing and your blessing in a powerful way this morning and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ran across an article the other day and it was um, referring to um, Randy Posh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but it was talking about his last lecture. Randy Posh um, was a professor of computer science who accomplished a lot in his field. Uh, but he died at the age of 47 of pancreatic um, cancer. Just out of curiosity, I listened to his last lecture. I went online and listened to it. It was um, positive and it was upbeat even in the midst of of him coming to terms with the fact of his looming illness and his death. He told about his childhood dreams, and he had seen all of his childhood dreams come true one by one. He told about all of the accomplishments that he had achieved in his lifetime in the field of computer science. And he didn't, I, I listened to him and I was kind of amazed because the whole thing took about an hour to listen to. Number one, I can't believe I listened to all of it because it was rather boring. But I listened to all of it because the reason why I did is because I wanted to see if he said anything about God or if he ha- said anything about eternity. This was his last lecture that he would be giving. He knew that he was sick and he knew that he was dying. I listened to that lecture and I was in wonder actually, how could a person be this close to death and not, and not talk about these things? How could he not talk about eternity? Uh, you know, when my husband asked me to speak this morning, um, I began to think about that lecture that I listened to. And that was his last lecture that he ever gave. Uh, I wanted to think, I started to think, well, if this is the last time that I would ever be speaking to you, what could I say? What would I say to you that would make a difference in your life if I knew that this was the last time? Now, I'm I'm not thinking this is going to be the last time I'm speaking to you, but if it were, what would I say and what what would I say that could make a difference in your life? You know, my husband, every time on Saturday night, it's almost like a a weekly thing, on Saturday night when we're all ready for Sunday morning, I always ask him, honey, you got a good one for tomorrow? You going to bring it home tomorrow? And he always answers me and he always says, every time he says, well, if it's not very good, it's only one sermon. I get to come back and do it again next week. So if it's not good this week, I get to do it again next week. But I always tell him, no, you know what? You're only as good as your last sermon. (laughs) 
It's just, I told him in the early service, it's like Tony Romo. He's only as good as his last ball game, right? <laughs> well, anyway, pastor has a little bit of an advantage over me because he gets to bring the Word of God every, sur- every Sunday. And uh, I don't get that opportunity, and, and I'm hopefully it's not going to be my last lecture or my last sermon that I give. Randy Posh gave his testimony. Uh, it was a testimony of what his life consisted of. He was a brilliant man, and his accomplishments were many. His te- testimony impacted thousands of people. In fact, his testimony was on the Internet. You can still, you can still uh, listen to it today. He was on the Oprah show. There's even been a, a book written about his last lecture. The message of his testimony that he gave that day was, Reach for your dreams. Today, I don't want to give you uh, a testimony of my accomplishments. Uh, For one, they wouldn't be very great in the eyes of the world. But I do want to encourage you to reach for your, for your dreams. I don't, I don't want to encourage you to reach for your dream, but I want to encourage you, although that would be a great thing to do, but I want to encourage you instead of reaching for your dreams to reach for God's dream. Reach for God's dream. And you might ask me, well, what is God's dream? I believe that God's dream is, one, is that none should perish and that all should have everlasting life. That's God's dream. His dream was so important to him that he was willing to give everything that he had to see that dream come true. He was willing to go to the extent that he would even give his own son to see that dream come, trump, see that dream come true. It's time to make God's dream become our dream. God's dream that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. It's time for us to make that dream our dream. You know, when my kids were were young, um, they had dreams. My son, when he was young, his dream was to play baseball. He loved baseball, and he wanted to play baseball. He wanted to play baseball in high school. He wanted to be the most valuable player. He wanted to play in college. He wanted to get a scholarship, and that was his dream. Now, I, I like baseball okay. But honestly, I never uh, really got into baseball until my son was in it. I never was really that interested in it until it, was, it became his dream. Uh, there's no way that I would have sat through hundreds of little league games if it hadn't been for the fact that my son was playing in them. When he got to high school, his dream was to get a scholarship. Suddenly, his dream became my dream. I wanted it for him. I cheered him on. I did everything I could to help him accomplish that dream. Now, when my daughter was young, uh, she had a lot of dreams, but one of the dreams that she had, and it was very important to her, is that she wanted to sing. She loved to sing, and she wanted to sing. She used to sing all, all the time. All the time she'd sing around the house. But it never failed. When we would get in the car to make a trip, my daughter always started in singing the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say, can you? In the back seat. And you could hear my son in the back seat saying, Mom, make her shut up. But that was her dream, was to sing. And you know what? I, I love music, and I love to sing, but that's never been my dream. But since it, when it became my daughter's dream, all of a sudden I felt a passion in my heart to see her dream come true. I felt that passion. Suddenly her dream became my dream. You know, when my son Chad and his wife Amber uh, uh, went to Burleson to start a new church, I didn't have any burden for that city. God called me to Arlington. 
I didn't have a burden for Burleson. But you know what? Chad came and he said, this is my dream and this is what God has put in my heart. And this is what he has placed it within me. And when he began to share with us his dream to plant a church in that area and in that community, all of a sudden it became my dream too. All of a sudden, I wanted to see that happen in his life. And the same thing when my daughter, Krista, and her husband, Sean, uh, came and they said, we believe God is calling us to North Dallas area to come and to start a church. You know, I didn't have a burden for that place. My burden was for Arlington. But all of a sudden, because they came and they began to pour out their dream to me, all of a sudden, my, their dream became my dream. Suddenly, I I wanted to see a great church planted in that area too. Why? Because I love them. I want to see their dream dream come true because I love them. I love my kids. I want to see their dreams come true. They're willing to sacrifice to see their dreams come true, and I was willing to do all I could to help them to see it come to pass. If God's dream is that none of us should perish, but that all of us would be saved, and that all of us would come to know eternal life, then that should become my dream too. Why? Because I love him. I love him, and I want his dream to be fulfilled. Uh, why, why, what is it that uh, we can do to see God's dream of, the, of souls saved? What, can, what is it we can do? What is our part? I think we all know the answer to that, and I think that the answer that, to that is that we all should become soul winners. You know, my husband for, for several years now has placed within, in front of you the, the fact that he would love for this church to be a missions church. He's placed that vision in front of you of giving to missions and of planting seed all over the world to see souls saved. He's, planted, he's sown that uh, vision into your heart, and I believe in that vision. But today I want to put before you another vision, and that vision is to see our church become a soul-winning church. To see our church reaching out to the lost and winning the lost. I don't know why it is that we always seem to want to run away when we hear those words about uh, witnessing and soul winning. Why are we so intimidated to share Christ? We all want to run away when we hear that. I'm telling you that God has given us some mighty weapons of power for soul winning. He's giving us, number one, he's given us the word of God. The word of God is a powerful thing to win souls for the Lord. He's given that to us. But another thing that God has given to us uh, is, the, is our own testimony. There's something else in our arsenal of weapons that God's given to us, and it's a very powerful thing. It's a powerful tool for witnessing, and it is our own testimony. You know, the word of God says uh, that his word is sharp as a, it's sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and to obey. The word of God is powerful, but he also has given us another tool, and that is our very own testimony. God wants to use your testimony. He wants to use your testimony to win souls for him. You may have wondered, why have I been going through all of the many things that life has thrown at me? Life has given me a lot of of sour grapes. Why have I had to go through all of those things? You may have wondered that. Maybe your life has been full of trouble. Maybe your life has been full of heartache. Out of these troubles, out of these heartaches, and out of your struggles comes your testimony. And there's power in your testimony. Your testimony is unique to anyone else's. Your testimony is different than anyone else's. 
The Bible says in Revelation, it says that Satan was overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That is a powerful weapon that God has given you, your own testimony. Your own testimony of God in your life is powerful. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. God's done some powerful things in the past. You know, you read the word of God and you'll hear and you'll read a miracle after miracle after miracle that God has done. And it's awesome and it's powerful. But do you ever hear yourself crying out, God, I've heard about your fame. I've heard what you've done. Lord, why don't you do that for me today? Why don't you do that for us today? Why do we not hear that you renew those things. I want to tell you, it's time that each one of us stood up and gave our testimony of what God has done in our life. It's time to let people know that God, what God is doing in your life. Man has heard of his fame. Man has heard what God has done in the past. Man has heard the Bible stories. But man is crying out for a testimony in our day. Is he a God for today? Is he a God for today? We've been silent long enough. It's time that where our testimonies, there are so many testimonies in this house right here this morning that we could, it looks like we could take all of Arlington with just the testimonies here in this building. And, you know, I know, I know a lot more testimonies than you do probably because I know different ones in the church that maybe you're not acquainted with. And there's some powerful things going on in our church. There's some powerful testimonies in this house today. Number one, we have a, a testimony of healing. I want, us, I want us to take a little trip back in time. She was in pain. But then again, she was always in pain. It hurt to sit. It hurt to stand. Her life was one of agony. But it was the day of worship. It was time to go to church. Stooped and bent with pain, she made her way to church. There was a guest speaker there that day. She couldn't really even look him in the eye. She was so stooped and bent that she couldn't even look up at him. And yet she sat in that service that day. And suddenly the teacher said, Woman, Come up here. Who? Me? Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. Get up there. He wants to do he wants to he wants to have something to say to you. The teacher wants you to come forward. That was the day that her life was changed. That was the day that her key healing came to her. He he all he did was speak the word and immediately her back was straightened. Set free from the vice that kept her body bent in two. Do you think she left church that day and didn't tell somebody what happened? Do you think she left church that day and was silent? This story that I just told you is found in Luke chapter 13. But you know what? This very story could have been Cindy's story that was standing up here giving your testimony a while ago. 
Do you know how many times I watched Cindy get out of her car with her cane and somebody most, most times would have to help her get out of her car so that she could come into the building and she would hobble down to the front in so much pain you could see it written on her face. This could have been Cindy's testimony. And I want to tell you through a series of events, a series of miracles Cindy is, is whole today. I watch Cindy walk up, run up and down the, the hallways of the church. And sometimes I get so excited because I remember that Cindy who hobbled into the church. And I know that she has a powerful testimony of what God has done. As I contemplated this story while I was studying, I started thinking about our former youth pastor, Corey. And I don't know how many of you all know, but Corey was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 17. He was diagnosed with cancer, stage four cancer. Does anyone survive stage four cancer? The doctor's diagnosis was not good. Does anyone survive? How does a 17-year-old go about getting his affairs in order? Fast forward. (laughs) 11 years later. 11 years later, after being diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and all I can see in my mind is Corey standing on the stage week after week after week, singing his guts out to the God who is his healer. It was not the prayer of a famous evangelist that healed him. In fact, it was a prayer of of Corey and his best friend and his, his friend's mom that anointed him with oil, and he was healed. How can he be quiet? He cannot. His testimony is powerful. It's what will help him achieve God's dream. God's dream is that none should perish. He gives you your, that, he gives you your testimony in order to help him accomplish his will and accomplish his dream. This is not someone that you don't know. This is someone we worship with on a regular basis. Then I'm reminded of Chris Kendrick. He was here in the early service. Some of you know Chris. Some of you don't know him, but let me tell you his story. The doctors told him, liver failure. Put him on a list. You're going to have to have a liver transplant. Put him on a list. Months later, I talked to his wife last Monday night, and she said, the words of the doctor now are this. Well, If this keeps up, you won't need a liver transplant. The liver is repairing itself. It's happening. It's happening. God, you're doing it. I stand in awe of your deeds. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them, Lord, today. I can't go on and tell stories of healing without giving my own story. Several years ago, I was very, very sick. And um, I was so sick that I, was, I, I couldn't even get out of bed for months. Every part of my body hurt. The, the diagnosis was fibromyalgia. And I went to the doctor, and, and he said, you're gonna be, you're gonna, it's not going to get any better. And I'm telling you, everything on my body hurt from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I could hardly even walk. My feet, the bottoms of my feet, I, my body felt like it was on fire. And my, my head hurt. I would get in the shower and I couldn't stand for the water to hit my head or my skin because my skin felt like it was on fire. There was nothing I could, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't lay down. 
My head would hurt so bad that if I tried to lay down, I'd end up having to put a pillow under my chin to hold my head up because I was in so much pain. The diagnosis was fibromyalgia. The treatment, the doctor said, pain management's all we can do for you. They sent me to a clinic, and at this clinic, all they wanted to do was teach me how to live with constant pain in my body. They gave me pain meds. They gave me sleep medicine. They said, get used to a life of constant pain. Get used to a life of immobility and limited activity. That's what they told me. The prognosis wasn't good. At some point, the doctor said, you're going to need a walker to help you get around. He said, at some point, you're going to need a wheelchair. Let me tell you, that was the diagnosis, the treatment, the prognosis. Let me tell you the reality of it. (laughs) Let me tell you the reality of it. That was about seven years ago. Thank you, Lord. You are my healer. This is my testimony, Lord. How do you explain the fact that I'm getting better, not worse? How do you explain the fact that I'm getting better? I'd like for you, instead of, uh, instead of being around in a, a walker or a wheelchair, I'd like for you to follow me around a couple of days. We have heal- testimonies of healing, and what, what an awesome, powerful testimonies they are. But we can also go on, and Sister Cindy shared today the testimony of provision. Once again, let's go back in time. He was a fisherman by trade. Maybe he even had his own fleet of little ships. We don't know, but he was down on his luck. He had been working hard all night long and had not caught one fish. I can imagine him in my mind's eye. I can see him, how discouraged that he probably was as he was washing his nets. He had not caught one single fish. And here comes the teacher. Here comes Jesus, and he gave him specific instructions. He said, if you'll fish on this side of the boat. Can you imagine what Peter's reaction was to that? Lord, I've been, you th- I've been out here fishing all night long. Do you think I have not fished on both sides of the boat? And yet he was obedient. And I'm going to tell you, just like Cindy told us today, if you're obedient, you'll always, obedience is always followed by blessing. You could just write it down. Obedience equals blessing. He was blessed so much that he couldn't even contain all the blessing. He had to give some of the blessing away. Jesus told Simon, he said, Simon, this is nothing. You think this is something. Now I'm going to make you fishers of men. This was Simon's first testimony that day of the provision of God. Do you think he didn't tell that testimony over and over again? This was Simon's first testimony because he blessed him with so many, uh, such a catch, a catch of fish that he couldn't even contain it all. He had to share it. This was his first t- his testimony of the provision of God. How many others do you think were p- impacted by that testimony that day? We know that two were because his, his uh, business partners, James and John, were right there. And it was from that time on that they began to follow Jesus. I'm going to tell you, if, if you will tell your testimony of provision, God will impact somebody's life through it. Last week we heard about uh, Mark uh, uh, Knowles was telling us uh, during the offering, he was telling us the provision of God in his life when he was obedient to God. 
Um, a couple of days ago, I, I called Connie. Wave, Connie. <laughs> and I asked her to share with me something about her testimony. Connie was, had three children, and she was living with their father. They weren't married. And I believe from what I understand that it was a, a, a rather abusive situation that she lived in. And she knew that God was speaking it to her to get her life right. And she knew that God was speaking to her to make a change in her life. And Connie says that she knelt down to pray. And she poured her heart out to God and she said, God, if you'll get me out of this, if you'll get me out of this situation. Now you have to understand she had three children and no job and no way to support herself. But God, if you'll get me out of this situation, Lord, I'll serve you and I'll do what's right. And she got up from there and packed her things and packed her children's things. And she moved in with a friend um, that had, from what I understand, had four kids of her own and a husband. And it was Connie and her three kids and, and this family of, of six all living in a little house of three bedrooms and one bath. But she was obedient to God. And did you know within 24 hours, within 24 hours, Connie received a phone call, and the government was going to help her, and they gave her a house, an apartment, a four-bedroom apartment with two baths. And God's provision was for her because she was obedient to God. And she's never looked back, have you, Connie? Have you ever looked back? You've never looked back, and God's provision has been faithful to you. And we stand here right now and we look at Connie and, and what God's done in her life and it's been a powerful thing. It's a powerful witness. To Connie, this is one of the tools God's given to you to be a soul winner. Don't forget that. And then we can go on to our testimonies of salvation. All of us, if you know God, if you know the Lord, you have a testimony of your own salvation. Let's take another trek back in time. This time we're going to go just outside a little Samaritan village. And Jesus is resting there by the well as a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. She has lived a rough life. The Bible says that she's been married five times. And even by today's standards, that's a lot. <laughs> the man that she's with right now was not her husband. This made her a woman of great shame. Jesus talked to her that day as if he knew every detail of her life, and indeed he did. Who was this man who knew her so well? He offered her living water. He offered her eternal life. Could he really give her eternal life? Is this the Messiah? Something inside of her leapt for joy as she realized who this man really was. She believed. She was so excited that she jumped up and she even left her water bottle behind her. And uh, she ran back into town to share her testimony of meeting Christ, the Messiah. Come and meet the man, she told everyone she saw. Come and meet this man. Come and meet the Christ. This testimony, many of the Samaritans of that day believed in Christ because of this woman's testimony. There is power in your testimony. What an incredible day of salvation came to this Samaritan village because of one woman's testif- testimony. Oh, Lord, <laughs> I've heard of your fame. 
I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, won't you renew them today in our time? Make them known today, right now, today. Is God still saving people today? Do we still have testimonies of salvation? God, are you still doing your work? I've heard of your work. I've heard of you. I've heard of the stories of times past when thousands of people came to you and came to repentance. Lord, are you still doing your work today? And I'm reminded of Kyle. Kyle's one of our deacons. But Kyle hadn't always been a deacon. A life of alcohol and drugs was where he came from. So many addictions in his life. But God put in his life a godly young lady that lived our life in front of him. Lived a Christian life in front of him. For three years, for three years, God dealt with him. For three years, the Holy Spirit gently nudged him. For three years, that seed was being planted in his life. And for three years, the Savior waited patiently. He waited for you. Kyle wanted a better life. But for some reason, the Bible just didn't seem to make any sense to him. He couldn't understand it. It just didn't make, it just did not, it just didn't, he didn't understand it. It it didn't make any sense. Until one night, he was sitting in church. And by the way, he probably wouldn't have even been in church if, if it wasn't for Kelly. But as he sat in church and the speaker began to preach, the Holy Spirit began to peel off the blinders off of his eyes. He began to see clearly. And for the first time, something opened up inside of him and in his spirit that all of a sudden everything became clear. All of a sudden the plan of salvation became real. All of a sudden everything made sense. He believed. With Kyle, it's always been a slow work of progress. (laughs) But God has faithfully delivered him from alcohol and drugs, and nicotine, and he is living a life of purity before the Lord right now. What an awesome testimony. What an awesome testimony. Oh, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, oh, Lord. Renew them in our day. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. And then I want to share with you the testimony of a little girl. Her name is Anita. She's 11 years old. She came to church on um, the church van with a couple of other kids. And her teacher told her, showed her how to pray, and told her, God will hear you when you pray. And the teacher told her, you can pray for all the needs you have. And Anita said, can I pray for my mom and daddy? And the teacher said, yes, you can pray for your mom and daddy. Anita lived in a home that her daddy was an alcoholic, or maybe not an alcoholic, but just liked to drink a lot, okay? That he drank a lot. And when he drank, he would become mean. And a lot of times when this happened, 
um, her mama would be hurt, and so she would go in the bedroom and cry. And one night this was happening, and Anita went in to the bedroom where her mama was crying, and she said, Mama, can I pray for you? What a shocker. Don't you imagine that would shock that mama? She said, pray for me. She said, yes, my teacher at church told me that I could pray for you and that God would hear us. And that little girl prayed over her mama. Long story short, one long after that, her mama went to church with her and her daddy went to church with her. And like I said, long story short, her mom and daddy sit right here over on this, this pew right here. <laughs> what an awesome testimony. Do you realize God used Anita, but now he's using you. Our testimony, our, all of our testimonies are different, but they're all powerful. My testimony is a little bit different even than that. I don't even remember when I first got saved. I've been saved all my life. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I get saved every day. <laughs> I've lived for God my whole life. Not perfectly, but consistently my whole life. I've never been an alcoholic. I've never done drugs. I've never been promiscuous. But I still need a Savior. I still need a Savior. My testimony of how God saved me at a very young age, that's my testimony. I was saved at a very young age, and God has spared me all of the heartache and all of the grief that goes along with sin. God has spared me. What an awesome testimony that is. Once again, let's go back in time. The prison cell was really dark. Finally, he fell asleep. It was cold and it was damp. And there was no way to get comfortable lying there on the hard floor of that prison cell. He was chained between two guards He couldn't even turn over without jerking the chain of one or the other. He was miserable. But finally, sleep came to him. But just as he went to sleep, someone struck him on the side and said, Get up. Get your clothes on, Peter. Get your shoes on. Get your coat on and follow me. How can I? I'm shackled. I'm chained. And that's when he noticed as he looked down that the chains were gone, that they had fallen off. Am I dreaming? They walked past the guard and then past the second guard. And they came to an iron gate that was closed that led out into the city. How will we ever get past this? But as they approached the gate, it opened all by itself and they passed through it. Suddenly Peter realizes That his rescuer has left him and he's standing all alone in the middle of the street. Rescued. Free. Delivered. Lord. (laughs) I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. Lord, are you still a God that delivers? God, are you still a Lord that sets men and women free? Listen, I'm telling you testimonies about people in our own church that sit sit on our pews. 
And I'm reminded of the story of Wendy. Wendy was here in the first service. And Wendy got saved and she gave her life to the Lord. But she had a, a powerful addiction in her life, and that was smoking. And she couldn't get rid of it. And she wanted so badly to be free. And yet she couldn't seem to stop. And she would cry and she'd pray, God, am I always going to be bound by this? God, am I, always, am I ever going to be free? And she told me just yesterday, she said, I wanted to be free so bad. And I would go out early in the morning, she said, and I would sit on my back porch and I would pray. And I would smoke. God, I want to be free. How do I get rid of this in my life? And Wendy says that the Lord spoke to her and he told her, go out there and dig a hole by that big pecan tree out there. Dig a hole and bury your cigarettes in that hole. So she did. She went in the house and got a spoon. I told her. I said, you should have got a shovel. (laughs) She got a spoon and she dug a hole and she put those cigarettes in that hole and she covered it up. And when she got back in the house, she was shouting. She was like, yes, this is it. This is it. God's going to set me free. And then all of a sudden, she realized, ooh, I don't have any cigarettes. (laughs) She went back outside and dug them cigarettes up. And did you know she said she smoked more that day than she'd ever smoked in her life? One after another, she just kept smoking them, crying, oh, God, I wanted to be free, Lord. And she kept smoking all day long. She said she smoked more than ever. She went to bed that night, and she was crying. God, I want to be free. I want to be free. Lord, and she realized then that she smoked all her cigarettes up, and she wasn't sure how she was going to make it the next morning when she woke up without a cigarette. And she told the Lord as she went to sleep, she said, Lord, if you'll just get me through this. She went to sleep, and, and she says, she relayed this story I thought was awesome. She said when she woke up the next morning, she felt like she was just engulfed in God's love. She said it was like something had wrapped them, itself all around her, and she was laying there and feeling God's presence, and she didn't even want to move. She said, I, don't want, I didn't want to move because I was afraid I would lose that feeling, and she, she laid there, and she knew it was the power of God, and she laid there, and she was like, oh God, is this it? Are you setting me free today? And she knew that by the power of God from that moment that she was set free. Did you know Wendy has never had a cigarette since? Set free. Then we have the story of Jennifer. I asked her permission to use this story. Jennifer Cole. She said that her daughter drove by, her and her daughter drove by our church. And her daughter told her, Mama, that's where we need to go to church. Jennifer was going through a tough time, a lot of tough times. Her life had been off track. An addiction to drugs was destroying her life. Long story short, Jennifer's here today. Jennifer's here today, and she's been clean for almost seven months. Is that right, Jennifer?
not only that, but Jennifer brought her friend with her. <laughs> and Joe got saved, too. And Joe's here this morning, too. Do you understand the power of your testimony? God's given you an incredible weapon to be a soul winner for him. His greatest desire, the desire of God's heart, his dream is that none should perish. Can you catch that dream? Let God's dream be your dream. This is how it feels to be free. This is how it feels to be delivered. Free from addictions. Not only free from addictions, but we can be free from our past. You know, many of you, the, the statistics tell us that one out of three people have lived abuse in their life. They have lived it. They're either going through it or they've gone through it in the past. They've lived through abusive situations. Uh, I sat on, uh, in my house just a couple of weeks ago with a young lady telling me about what she's going through and the abuse that she went through as a child, the verbal ab- abuse and the physical abuse. Hey, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I know that life. For 10 years of my life, I lived in an abusive situation. I'm not talking about a little bit of abuse. I'm talking about daily beatings. I've lived that. I know it. I know that life. I know I, I, I was that little girl that was standing in the corner of the bathroom being beaten in the stomach until I was a, a pile, a heap in the floor vomiting. I know that life. I know that I've been beaten with a tube before until every single blood vessel in my bottom was a raw piece of meat. I've lived that life. I know that life of abuse. When I was five years old, I remember my abuser taking me in the bedroom and telling me, I don't want you to move a muscle, and he smeared ketchup all over my body. And then he went and got my six-year-old sister and brought her in and said, look at her, I killed her. I lived that life of abuse. I remember the screams of my sister. I remember my silent screams as I laid there because I was afraid if I moved a muscle, he would kill me. I lived that life. I lived a life of abuse. But I'm going to tell you something. This right now, what I'm living in right now, this is what it feels like to be free. Did you know that that most people who have lived in abuse... Statistics tell us that most people who live in abuse, they go on to be abusers themselves. Statistics tell us that most people who live abuse, have gone through abusive lifestyles, that they will always be emotionally crippled. I'm going to tell you I am not crippled, but I am a victor through Jesus Christ. There's nothing in my life that is crippled. I belong to Jesus. This is how it feels to be free. This is how it feels to be a, live a life that's forgiven. I have an, I, my testimony is different than y'all's. All the things I've been through, all the things you've been through, all it is is a tool that God has given you. I'd like for our musicians to come forward. It's all it is is a tool that God has given to you, just like he's given us the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like he gave us those, he gave us the power of our own testimony. I'm looking forward to, Joe, what your testimony is going to be. You're going to win others for the Lord. 
I'm looking forward to all of you, that, some of you who, who are going to get saved today. Who are going to come to know the Lord today. I'm looking forward to the testimony that you're going to have. I'm looking forward to that testimony of those who are going to come forward here in just a few minutes. And God is going to heal you. And God's going to give you a powerful witness. And that witness will be in order to see his dream fulfilled. Oh, Lord. I've heard of your fame. I've heard what you did way back then. And I stand in awe of your deeds, O oh Lord. But God, won't you do it again? God, won't you renew it in our day? Here, right now, today, God, won't you do it again? We don't want to just hear about it, God. We want to see it. We want to experience it. Hallelujah. Do it again, Lord. If everyone would just stand this morning. I wonder if we could have some prayer workers come forward this morning. We have a prayer team that will come forward this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I believe there's some, I believe there's people here this morning who need healing in their bodies. And I want you to come forward and let someone pray for you. Your testimony of healing will be a powerful thing. I believe that there's people here this morning who need deliverance. And I want you to come forward and let someone pray for you. Maybe there's someone here this morning who needs salvation. You don't have that testimony yet. I want you to come forward. And let someone pray with you this morning. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to do a powerful thing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, won't you do your work this morning? Hallelujah, Jesus. Someone love you. No. 